0: and readers to uh, this podcast interview with malika verma uh, malika verma is the founder of border and fall which is featured quite often in our platform uh, firstly her story about the sari series a very innovative opportunity to look at the different ways of uh, using the sari and a wonderful film by puja Kal, uh, Sundasari, which uh featured in uh, last year's garland and on the radar is quite an interesting new project uh is it uh, called shilpa is that the correct pronunciation absolutely yes. yes that's right kevin Good. so shilpa which is a, a series of catalogues focusing on the work of artisans in india and butterful uh, one of these very innovative agencies you know, I often look and see what they're doing. Uh, they've had a manifesto in the past, which has been very important, and generally, they seem to be finding ways in which the the made in India label, as a as a feature of different brands, can be something which which adds value, in particular ways. And uh, I think it's certainly worth following and getting some background too. Uh, so. Malika, shall we start uh, firstly by, by the name Border and Fall. Uh, Can you explain how it came about?
1: Sure, absolutely. First, Kevin, thank you for for having me on your platform. I'm a very, very fond uh, reader of Garland. I very much appreciate the work you do. Um, and uh, and so as for Border and Fall, um, you know, Border and Fall is a name that actually was on a long list of brainstorming um, uh, uh, possible names with that I had undertaken with Rashmi Varma, who is a uh, you know a curator and a, and a designer uh, and a long-term friend and collaborator of of, uh, of mine. And so. Years ago, we had thought about you know starting things together and uh, border and fall emerged from that brainstorm uh and the idea with it was um to look at uh the duality um you know just to explain uh, the the um the construction of asari has two sides it has um it has a border usually, which is uh, heavier weighted, which acts as a hem. And then, uh, quite often, there's um, when it doesn't have that heavier border, there's there's a, a fall, so a piece of fabric that's stitched behind it to act as an invisible hem. Uh, and that was added more for the chiffon saris or for when flat weaves kind of came in with uh, no variable density in in the various parts of the textile. And so, all that to say is we like the idea and you know of, of that play of duality, the seen, the unseen. Um, it speaks to two sides of a coin. It's also uh, referencing, uh, you know, something Indian without being o- overtly um, you know, looking at uh, 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 s- something, it's not obvious and, and so if you understand it or if you don't it, it doesn't make a difference and that's fine as well so to not be f- fully defined in terms of what we are and so over the years, um, yeah, it's just I continue to find depth in the meaning of the term and uh, and, and that's really where it came from.
0: Wonderful, I had no idea, that's uh Fascinating, very hmm. beautiful Thank you. concept. Uh, now, the the other word is uh, shilpa, mm-hmm. uh, which is this current project. Now, mm-hmm. can you provide us with a definition of uh, shilpa, in particular in relation to the English word craft?
1: Sure, uh, I can. I can try. I don't think I'll, I'll be able to, but I can give you a little bit of context of where um, uh, shilpa comes from initially. Um, there's a series of um, old uh, Hindu text uh, texts called the Shilpa Shastras. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Vastu. Uh, uh, vastu is is what um, people consider the, um, uh, the our version of Feng Shui. And so Vastu Vastu comes from Vastu Shastras, so the text on Vastu. And then there's the Shilpa Shastras, and the Shilpa Shastras um, are basically what are defined as. series of texts uh, looking at the science of arts and crafts. And by that, um, the the Shastras, uh, which I actually haven't read yet, and I I endeavor to read, um, you know, ancient scriptures, but that's always there on the the bookmark uh, to to kind of, you know, delve into one day when I find myself with a lot of time. But the the idea is that these Shastras gave, um, you know, uh, what we call principles "Quote unquote rules uh, on on how to develop um, not just things like architecture and therefore temples, but jewelry, um, statues, idols, pottery, textile, uh, painting, and so um, you know it is this kind of uh, series of texts that articulates, and so um, so it's a science of arts and craft, and and definitely I think um, over time it's become. Sort of uh, the, the direct translation, the simplistic translation is craft, uh, but I did come across a translation which I'm going to read out by um, an art historian and curator, Stella uh, Kramersh, that I thought was really wonderful in one of her texts. And she said, um, Shilpa is a Sanskrit word whose translation includes art, skill, craft, labor, ingenuity, right, and ritual, form and creation. And what I thought was amazing about that definition is you have the idea of making. Um, so skill, uh, you have labor, you have ingenuity, you have a sense of agency, ritual, this idea of practice, Riaz, which is sort of a practice, creation, which does not impose the distinction of maker and designer, which currently exists in the problem of, of I think, of craft is largely you have um especially in, 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 in the Western world is this, this hierarchy or this, uh, this division, right, where you have the maker and the craftsman. Um, but this truly uh, is, is quite a comprehensive def- definition, which is not my own, but um, hopefully that sheds a little bit more light on this very complex term uh, at the end of the day that, that embodies uh, a lot more than just a direct translation to craft.
0: It's wonderful. It's an opportunity to to see things outside of the more familiar craft lens and mm. to understand that uh, that word craft doesn't uh, neatly always translate across different cultures and mm-hmm. that we can learn a lot from the differences that you have outlined. And now for the Shilpa series, mm. uh, can, you, can you tell us what prompted the, sure. the development?
1: Sure. So, 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 so the Silva catalogs are basically a series of digital catalogs that each one uh, dedicated to um one uh one one craftsman, one maker, one cariger, and um the idea has been there like many ideas for for a long, long time that just does not materialize given um many things, and and um and finally, I think it you know looking at the last year that we've had um, the difficulties that all of us have had it's uh, it's one of the things that i'm the most proud of of having executed um because uh it just when i look back at the few highlights of last year the, the shilpa catalogs are definitely one of them and so essentially the idea was to bring to market, to create a template, uh, first of all, design a template that um, we could replicate very easily and offer as a free service to uh, carriers whom we felt um, would be, wh- whose products would be bought and appreciated and are you know different than what you find readily available. Um, in, in local markets or, or online or whatnot. So just to give access uh, to people, but simultaneously both ways give, give access to the Garrigars. And so um, that was the, the idea. So it's a free template. It's, it's created in a PDF. It, it's released on Instagram on uh, Facebook, but also travels on WhatsApp, which is really nice because WhatsApp is largely the medium of communication in, um, in, in India, at least uh, in terms of passing on information. And so uh, we worked with Somnath But, who is an incredibly uh, talented uh, designer, uh, an artist and, and a graphic designer. Um, to create the template for this. Everything that you see is something that Soam designed, and we identified a a wide, wide color palette. So the color denotes a different uh, you know, uh, sort of edition of of the catalog, and so we called it a digital catalog, and um, and we're in our we're just going to be releasing our fifth, um, and 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 that's really the idea. So that's how it kind of came about. It's been there in terms of wanting to. I think at the bottom line, it's how do you effectuate change, and and the desire, and and similarly, the problem in India is that it becomes a scale conversation, right? So in India, you know to a 100, 100,000 doesn't quote unquote make a difference. You need to speak in millions. And I think that becomes very difficult for people who want to do things because scale, um, to think on scale needs a completely different framework. And that's why I feel a lot of things get stagnant because we look at things like government funding or private funding or mass long-term projects to be able to do things on the ground. And this for us is a way to effectuate change at a very real um, one-to-one level. Uh, and if it, if it involves, you know, 50 more orders that someone wouldn't have had, you know, that's what we can do right now. We endeavour to work on a much larger scale. We have projects in which we've undertaken that and, and, and hope to do more. But in the meantime, things like this, I, I don't think they should be looked at, uh, should, should be neglected when they don't take a lot of effort at the end of the day. There's, of course, an initial investment in terms of design and, and putting it together. But after that, it rolls quite nicely.
0: Good. Uh, now, some listeners may be unfamiliar with the term Carragher. hmm would it? Would autism be an appropriate translation? <laughs>
1: this is a shulpa uh conversation again. And uh yes, and no, I mean I I we took a sort of um a decision about nine years ago at and Fall to use the word Gariger to reflect uh, the work uh, of what is globally known as artisans or craftsmen, uh, it, it, and the, the logic was that if art and craft is denoted of a of a of a place and and, and it certainly is a culture, a community, or geography, then certainly just using the word uh, "craftsman" uh, kind of uh, globalizes it too much, especially when we have a series of words and and. Um, that we can use. So Karigarh is, is for us, more of a comfort zone. It's not perfect. Uh, people in South India, where I live, wouldn't necessarily uh, embrace the term uh, to be as fully reflective, but um, we do feel it denotes a certain geography and place, so so that's why uh, we, we decide to use the word Cariger uh, in conversation, written or oral. Uh,
0: just stepping back a bit, uh, uh, Malika, the mm-hmm. Motives that you're talking about sound quite philanthropic mm. to improve uh, the, the conditions of these currugas by using this particular series. Now, most people would look at Border and Fall and think this is a commercial agency, mm. uh, rather than something like the Cross Council of India or mm. uh, one other organization. Sure. How, does, how does that activity fit with what Border and Fall is?
1: It's a good question, Kevin, and it's it's complicated. I I, I don't know. Um, I I think um, I, I'm realizing the other day I kind of expressed to someone that you know so much of our work feels to be in the activism uh, space, and uh, and and I think the. Um, and, and even the Sari series included right so that was the idea of, of cultural documentation or, or if you look at, at, at activism or uh, with other projects that we're working on or or looking at community building in, endeavors um and and unfortunately I, I i don't see those as things that are are um th- that make sense to monetize and and by that i mean you know when we had the idea for the Sari series uh, the biggest um ask and and thought from people when I floated the idea was, how are you going to make money from it? How, well, why don't you, you know, start a, a site selling saris, and this can be the content for it, or why don't you make a closed community where you have to subscribe to these things, and I think at the end of the day, I, I did feel, and I continue to feel very strongly, and so does, the, you know, the border and fall team, that these things have much more value when they're democratized, they're free, they're giving accessible resources to things that we're not creating, we didn't create the drapes, we're just reframing a way of looking at things, right, um, and and certainly that has value, but I, I think, uh, to answer your question is that I've had to separate what uh, you know a revenue part of the agency where we work with incredible talent um, and designers in India and outside on you know their communication their strategic positioning their branding you know the connectivity of looking at um, things about shifting perceptions of made in India and and being very connected on all the things that we do but but looking at that very much through a revenue vertical. And then on the other side is this, what I'll call a nonprofit space. And, and so, you know, sure the border and fall agency released the Shilpa catalogs, but there's no money in it for us. There's, you know, it's just something that we feel needed to be done and we wanted to do it and we're in a position to do it. So why shouldn't we? So I don't know uh, to answer your question. And that's definitely the irony of being in the business of branding is that we should be able to have our, uh, you know, self-sorted first, uh, but we're in the process of looking what that looks like, of formalizing um, a non-profit for border and fall, um, you know, and that requires a lot of work and effort. And in the meantime, we just want to continue to roll with uh, what, what were the ideas that we have.
0: Well, maybe maybe it's a good thing that you don't know why, why you're good... doing it in the commercial scene. It's... it's just coming out of something different. To, to sure, sure.
1: We, we never know anyways, right? Even when we think we know, we don't know, so it's, it's okay.
0: I'm anyway, okay to it. Uh, certainly endorse it. Hmm. Uh, now, a couple of practical questions. Hmm. Uh, how do you choose the Karagas that feature in this series?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, good qu- question. And initially, um, we wanted to, we worked with Karagas uh, who, uh, and, and, you know, who we've known for a long time, for many years, uh, people like Matthew, people like Khalid, whose work we've been following for, you know, 10 years or so. And and support uh, whenever we can. Uh, we also realize that you know people like them have uh, become much more visible over the years and are also well supported. So I think we. Pivoted a bit after the second um, uh, uh, catalog, where we said, "Listen, if the point is to bring visibilities to those who are not known, if someone's already written about in Architectural Digest, and and I sit on the jury of the uh, JSW uh, Architectural Digest Craftsmanship Prize, where people like Matthew and all have been brought and nominated, and, and actually, um, uh, you know, been recipient, finalist, recipients of of the prize." through sort of um, that support from from our end. And so the question is, do they really need further support? Their ball is already rolling. And of course, everyone needs help, myself included. But can we really look at people who are Um, more unknown, unknown to us. And so uh, actually uh, part of this just involves um, uh, deep dive research into areas of interest for us, uh, which is completely um, subjective, right? And then the reality is there are millions and millions of deserving people uh, whose work should be brought uh, to light. And so we have um, a lot to pick from. And um, we do use uh, Ritu Sethi from the Craft Revival Trust, uh, has done a phenomenal amount of work uh, over the years. She runs an incredible platform, uh, and she also has a database of caregivers within that, where if you subscribe, you have access. So over the years, we've used that extensively to learn and, um, you know, find some information there or, you know, speak to people. And so we have a running list of many, many people. And then to realize these takes uh, uh, quite often, quite a bit of time. I know I earlier said that it kind of rolls, but I think a lot of what we meet is, you know, the translation, uh, you know, just getting people to send photography, understand what we're doing. um, And then, you know, that kind of communication does take a a bit of the time. Um, But uh, once we have them on board, uh, you know, and they understand it, then then they're, they're really, Fine. And it's actually very interesting. There's uh there's someone who we who we published earlier who sent a message um, uh, to us that was quite surprising saying, please do not make any more catalogs for other people doing XYZ craft. And I just thought that that's so interesting for someone to feel so protective of you know of, of having access to this market, but that's not what this is about. This is about trying to really open it up and have the public decide what they want to buy buy for. And I think what's interesting is when you see the pricing on this of someone from sitting in, in Madhya Pradesh, and you're seeing a broom like Kantha say at, at handmade broom at seventy rupees, which is a dollar. I think the, the disparity and the the the, the, the 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 problem with craft actually becomes immediately clear. So we ask obviously these people to, to set their own price and whatever they want and and you know that's fine and we've had chatu from uh konama from nagaland uh cane basket weaver his baskets are 60 to eighty thousand. and i've been to visit him and i've seen his work uh he's phenomenal and and these baskets take a long time and he makes few of them and he charges very very high but to have a handmade broom at you know of, of a dollar, um, hopefully serves to highlight that in increasing need of, of just valuing these things more.
0: And yes, so this, I saw that price, and uh, yeah, it did boggle me, I must say, 400 rupees for this yeah. extraordinary uh, work of art, really.
1: Yep. And, and and so the question is, where what do we do? Do we do we try to change the market when we speak to uh, Kantaji and say you can charge double or triple? Um, is that really the right thing to do? You know, we've had these. Uh, you know, one of the issues with when we were writing the terms and conditions on the catalog is is do we say they have to pay upfront? Do we tell people that they you know shouldn't bargain? I mean, what what should we? And then we realized if we're giving helping give access, uh, the Geiger themselves needs to develop the um, not needs to but has the opportunity to develop a skill of shipping to people dealing getting a digital payment gateway which they might not have and and that's that's on them, where both sides have to be willing to stretch. So we did put a, dis- not a disclaimer, but a note saying we strongly encourage advanced payments of 50%. Um, uh, and and I, I, we didn't write about not bargaining. We just hope that people don't want to, you know, bargain, but that's intrinsic to how people um, try to purchase things. And we figured, you know what, you're, you're, you're making a product anyways, you can, you know, we don't need to handhold too much. You know, everyone can take care of themselves. Now, if
0: we could, look at the uh, dissemination of these this series uh, you mentioned a number of different platforms like facebook and instagram now i think we're quite curious how how whatsapp works in india you've already published a really interesting article in border and fall uh, crafts quiet quiet facilitator hmm. uh, and the impact of it so how how do you disseminate something like this through whatsapp which seems to be you know largely a no person-to-person communication platform.
1: Sure, uh, yeah, you know it's, it's amazing. India, uh, it's just uh, communicates on WhatsApp. I mean, I, I often. WhatsApp call people before I even, pick, you know, do a normal dial. It, it's amazing how, over the last, um, I'd say, seven years or so, the, the um, platform has really uh, grown. Uh, notwithstanding the the big move to move to Signal and get off of WhatsApp last year or earlier this year uh, that took place, but all, all all said and done, India really um, thrives on WhatsApp uh, given the, um, the the cost of. Uh, of you know internet of data it's the, the cheapest uh, i think in the world in terms of data connectivity and um, allows people to access and consume a lot of data uh, very freely and so there is a, a very strong culture And it's interesting, I think there's been some articles written in uh, global newspapers about the culture of wishing people good morning uh, on WhatsApp through a very uh, um, nice photo. And I'm on the receiving end on it from my aunts who live in in, in Delhi sometimes as well, where there's really this culture of saying good morning with, a you know, you have a photo with a rose and it says good morning. And and it's just very, I think it's very endearing. I think that the culture of WhatsApp has, uh, you know, become um, its own communication style uh, Videos are shared, content is shared. I use voice memos all the time on WhatsApp. So all that to say is um, there are a lot of groups that exist. I think every single person I know, myself included, is oversubscribed on WhatsApp groups. Uh, Half of them are muted. But they're there as resources and and ways to connect to people and and get, uh, you know, in front of someone's eyes, which is what you want at the end of the day. And so there are a number of groups that exist focused on uh, craft in India uh, in terms of uh, people who are patrons of craft, uh, you know, you know, there's obviously organizations like dustgar uh, Craft Council of India and whatnot, and all these lead into subsets of uh, different uh, groups of people, similar to Facebook groups, actually, right? You have specialist sort of groups on, on Facebook that emerge. Um, and so WhatsApp has that as well. And so the idea is uh, to have a, a broadcast group and then you just share the catalogue as and when it comes out. And, um, you know, and, and that's sort of one uh, spread. It's hard to measure that spread. And then the only way we've been able to measure so far really the impact is when we hear from uh, the, the Geiger themselves and, and what's been really heartening is is we haven't had to ask but you know someone like Matthew has just written to us um, you know he wrote to us about two months ago saying I you know I've received so many orders um, uh, from from the efforts of the catalogs you know thank you and I, I that, that's all it comes down to that's all that 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 this was intended for and so that is really the measurement tool um, and so at the agency we're continuously asking how can we get more visibility for these catalogs uh, but also ha- quite happy because they're timeless uh, to let that sort of spread just float because anyone who finds this information has the phone number has the name has the prices has a photo it's kind of as easy as possible for anybody who sees it wherever they're receiving and to say i want item number six this is how much it costs this is the measurements of it right this is what it's made out of this is what it looks like, uh, and so hopefully we thought about most of the product um, cataloging metrics that allow someone to make a decision very quickly without having to ask for more information.
0: Right, I must 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 admit I do remember getting good morning messages from taxi drivers in Bangalore months after I'd taken a ride. So charming! I'm I, really love quite I love it. Curious um, I love it. Now. Did you did you just say something which implied that uh, you were personally involved in in selling the items as well?
1: No, 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 not at all. No, no, in the sense that um, hopefully we our, our template in terms of at, uh, stating the price, the measurement, and whatnot allows someone to make a decision without asking the carrier or anybody for more information, right? So that that's what we're saying is that that what I was saying is that in whichever way it's distributed which we can't necessarily track. Um, and also we send out a newsletter and there's a link to the Dropbox. So we can see people who see, view it on Dropbox. We don't really know, uh, unfortunately, exactly how how much it's traveling along, but we know the impact of it vis-a-vis the number of orders that the carriers are receiving. Um, but no, we're not involved in any way uh, aside from disseminating the information.
0: Mm, I see. Now, Malika, I think we've got a clear idea of what you're hoping to achieve with this, Hmm. uh, even though uh, it doesn't necessarily always reduce to profit margins or something uh, simple like that. Hmm. Uh, But in in general, I'd be quite interested in, in, if we could step back and get your thoughts just generally on the value of handmade in India today, given that one of the key aims of Border and Fall is to add value to the made in India label. Uh, what do you think the core value of that is? Uh, is it about maintaining a heritage? Is it a connection to, to the past in some way in that that gives modern India? It might be a soul or a, a sense of uh, identity, sense of roots. Uh, what what for you is uh, one of the keys to the value of the handmade today in India?
1: Well, I, I think uh, the answer to that is is what I valued isn't necessarily what what is is valued. And, and whereas there's much that is valuable about craft, whether it's from a uh, utility lens uh, or a decorative lens or you know um, uh, economic lens of livelihoods, I think uh, truly what is what is inherently valuable is 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 the hand meeting the mind. I think um, when you have someone who's engaged in work in any capacity, any of us, uh, where uh, there's a holistic uh, approach to work, uh, where you know you're being paid well, you're doing good work, or you're interested and in, engaged in your work, not mindlessly. Th- those are sort of the I think important. Um, values uh, that 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 craft can have given so much of it is uh, based on um, sort of maybe repetitive almost meditative meditative um, uh, uh, Processes, right? I mean, and, and Gandhi spoke about that extensively. Um, if you look at a lot of people who continue to spin, uh, spinning isn't um, just a form of, of making yarn, but there's a thought of, of mindfulness, uh, focus, right, that goes within it. And I think a lot of that is, is lost. And I think um, there's a lot of romanticization right now about, oh, a car, you know, Kyrie working with their hands, it's got the hand. A lot of people do this as a means to an end because there's literacy issues, there's, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, livelihood issues in terms of not being able to earn enough uh you know there's so much but i think that truly is the the magic and the synergy and the values that at the end of the day whatever you're looking at that's made by uh hand it it has someone who is making it and and i don't know what could be more powerful than that than having the human element imbued in, in what you are wearing eating consuming right and and um you know, you, you, we've all had a meal that's homemade uh, that's phenomenal. And we've also had, you know, the prepackaged mechanized meal. And, and the, the experience is, is completely different, I think. But, but and I think that gets lost also in a lot of people where food is food is food, right? And so for me, that's really the undervalued value uh, that I see in, in, in craft.
0: Look, I'd just like to throw in a bonus question prompted <laughs> by that. That's okay, Monica. Please, please, You know, in, in the West, uh, in the last decade, we've seen the rise of the hipster as a type, a mm. consumer who mm. has an interest in the handmade, in the authentic, in the artisanal. Mm. And this extends across not just to uh, baristas and cafes and sourdough bread makers, but obviously uh, it's led to an increased interest in, in ceramics and, and other crafts. Mm-hmm. And in areas like, you know, for instance, the the cloth masks and the handmade production associated with that during the pandemic and platforms like Etsy. And one of the questions is whether this generation or this interest is specific to the West, whether there are equivalences. Um, So I'm just curious, perhaps as we get towards the end of this interview, if you had a thought about is there an Indian hipster in terms of a market Mm -hmm. Perhaps whether it's an authentic market or you know how deep it is, but I know it's an ironic term, often the hipster. But is there a generation of Indians who subscribe to the sorts of values that uh, you're talking about in terms of the value of the handmade? Hmm. A- a- absolutely. I mean, or is it think... just the old Gandhians? It, uh... Not at all. No,
1: no, There's the, that's what's amazing about India. I mean, look, um, 50% of India as a population is under the age of 25. That is uh, nothing but optimistic hope for the future in terms of a young mindset that um, uh, will uh, continue to um, look at uh, identity culture uh, as they emerge from a generation that is not fettered by the ideas of, um, you know, um, of, of, of independence, or what's happening right now, which is extreme post-colonial thought and that, that kind of the the, the, the the questioning and the fighting uh, you know, uh, uh, f- for it and also the emergence of a sense of of cult, what I call a cultural confidence. That's something in the last, I've been here for almost 15 years in India, in the last 10 years, I've seen a very palpable shift to this idea of, of, of cultural confidence where the validation of the West um, has become less and less Relevant. There is a desire to be part of a global conversation, which is natural for anybody. But the um, you know that emergence is very interesting. And so, uh, to answer your question, there is of course there's there's an amazing amount of hipsters, young. Um, you know, uh, uh, individuals, and not and not just young in terms of age, but there's people who are obviously older who are young in in thought, who are um, looking at uh, things like you know, there's almost like a, an eye roll at the the indigo tribe. I mean, there's been, been an indigo tribe all along. All us love indigo, that's our kind of natural go-to everyday kind of g- garment. But there's certainly, if you go to a certain set, there is a people who wear you know, tribe of people who wear pretty much just indigo-dyed um, you know, khadi cloth and that's sort sort of it, uh, or who subscribe to certain, um, type of, of pottery and, um, or, or, for instance, long-pea, and I've written about this. Uh, and Matthew Sasa, who is one of the Naga uh, uh, potters, the, the, the black uh, long-pea pottery has uh, become a, uh, I'll say, a status symbol of, a, you know, the uh, the new Indian intelligentsia, where you go to, you know, someone's table and they have all these beautiful long-pea potteries because, as a craft, it's already in its true nature something that feels very contemporary, even though it's very traditional. And and so there are kind of markers within craft that you see. Uh, a lot of people appropriating um, through just what you're asking about hipsters is trend culture, right? And then that exists everywhere and certainly exists in India as well. And and if it further propagates the desire to buy craft, then great, whatever form it takes, right? Welcome in.
0: That's fascinating. Thank you so much, uh, Malika. Uh, I think the Indigo tribe sounds like the kind of uh, tribe that I'd be very interested to belong to. It has echoes of the, the of denim uh, in the West, but uh, such a beautiful colour and such uh, a wonderful textile. Uh, I just wonder if you've got any future projects that you'd be willing to, to let us know about for us to look forward to, or are things still under wraps? Thank you very much, Malika Verma from Border and Fall, telling us about the Shulpa series, which features uh, in this month's Laurel Object of the Month. We've got some good background on it. All the best. Well, Malika Verma, that's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. It uh, helps us understand Kevin, hi, where there? Border and Fall is coming from, and and certainly has some very inspiring and innovative projects, and particularly this one, the Shilpa series uh, that we feature in the Laurel Object of the Month uh, is a demonstration of that. So go well, and particularly in this very difficult pandemic time, I wish you good health and your friends and colleagues uh, stay safe and family. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Kevin. I uh, always appreciate uh, chatting with you. And uh, like I said, I think the work that uh, Garland is doing is, is very, very important and always happy to participate. Thank you for being interested in our work and all the best to you as well. You've been listening to a podcast from Garland Magazine. Please check our website, garlandmag.com, for more stories behind what we make.